0: 5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and it's time
1: to get pumped up with the P Man. We
2: will, we will rock
0: you. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94 3, the game is gonna get you home, and the P Man's not holding
3: back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win!
4: Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94 3, the game.
3: Holy mackerel!
0: Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU, Pirates. It's a get-you-to-the-game-weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Coach Doug Martin, next segment, talking ECU, Tulane, and all kinds of college football. We'll also talk to Rose head coach, Will Bland, as they take on, do the rampants tonight, D.H. Conley, game you'll hear here later on this evening, and then uh, Brian Mull a little later on in the uh, program on some uh, possible changes, talking expansion of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. But right now, we begin with a pre-game look at ECU and Tulane in today's Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. A couple of the cuts we didn't get to uh, this uh, weekend, or yesterday I should say, uh, from the coordinators, this is Donnie Kirkpatrick. Talking about uh, Marlon Gunn, and he's excited about the workload that Gunn could have this
1: weekend. Marlon is obviously extremely excited about returning back to the state of Louisiana. I think he's had this game marked you know, on his calendar since we recruited him. And uh, I, I jokingly had talked with him a little bit the week before. About you know, hey, don't wait all the way to we play Tulane. You know, why don't we get get a couple things going here before, so we'll have even more confidence and get you more playing time. And he's like, "I, I, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to. And so it just so happens that he's starting to get that, and he really responded. And you know, the thing he did so well wasn't just run with the ball. He did he did do a good job with that, but his pass protection. Was great, and that's the thing the young backs struggle with. It was because in high school they don't they don't block nobody. Why why do you have your best player blocking? You give him the ball, you throw him the ball, and so he picked up every blitz that they threw at him. And you know that's when Keaton and Raji first started playing. They found out. Oh, we'll we'll check we'll check the rookie running back because everybody knows that everybody knows the running backs come in. They don't know anything about pass protection. More
0: from Donnie K. This is uh, Coach talking about. Uh... C.J. Johnson's great game in the wake of his grandmother's passing down in Boca Raton,
1: Florida, last week. C.J. has been through a lot. He's been through more than anybody could ever believe, and he's, he's really matured. I think the team has been great for him. I think he's learned how important it is to be on a team or how nice it is to be on a team. Uh, and I think he's very appreciative of that. I think you could see the emotion when he scored the first touchdown. You know, I kind of glanced away and then saw him on the ground. And for a moment, I thought, did he get hit? Did he fall? Did he step in a hole or something out there? And then I knew quickly when I saw him kind of go to his knees, you know, what was going on there. So, you know, those are one of those things. They're kind of storybook. You know, guy loses his grandmother that's been such a big part in his life. And he goes out. You know, it was the Brett Favre deal when his father passed away. And then he has the unbelievable game, best game of his career. But really – that doesn't happen very often. You know, for every one of those Brett Favre stories there's a million where they go out there and they weren't able to handle it. So great job by him, I thought great job by his teammates and his family to, to get him in that position because I think the thing he knew was that's what she wanted. That's that's the best way to, to do it, to honor her. And, and she just wanted him to be successful and, and that's a small part of it, the football part I think, you know, the other part, going to school and doing all that's way more important but very proud of him
0: Now some comments from uh, Mike Houston on our uh, Pirate Report uh, We got Coach Houston uh, talking about uh, the experience that Michael Pratt brings to the table the Tulane quarterback
3: I mean, he's much like ours in that, you know, extremely experienced, I mean, he's he's been a starter for three years now and uh you know ton of experience he's seen every look imaginable great operator uh so just further add to the challenge that we have
0: the running game we've already uh, heard a little bit of that from donnie kirkpatrick but this is coach houston on the uh, havelock product the unc transfer camaro edwards being excited for the game this week
3: excited i mean he's uh he's anxious you know looking forward to you know getting some uh getting some time and you know, uh, Coach Foster's done a good job of pushing him this week, and I think he stepped up uh, his performance.
0: Hope that kid could get on track. I think he actually has the ability to be really, really special if uh, he can just get some confidence and get going. Uh, another running back that's been impressive, especially to
3: Coach Houston, is Marlon Gunn Jr. I'm telling you, he's—I've uh, been thoroughly impressed with him. Not just this week, but I mean, this has been something that's been building. Uh, he does—he uh, does a great job at practice. His work ethic, and the way he competes. Um, I mean, for he he does not practice like a freshman, so uh, really excited for him.
0: You know, he snapped off a couple of big runs. He uh, was the leading rusher last week. I think Marlon Gunn again. If the Pirates are going to have success tomorrow, uh, him getting going is going to be uh, is going to be really key. Back to the quarterback spot, and now Holt Naylor's and Mike Houston on uh, number twelve's decision making abilities.
3: Well, I think last week in the game, I thought his decision making was very good. Um, and you know we, we put a lot on him. I mean, he's, he's very similar to Pratt in that uh, you know he's seen about everything, and so um, he'll be prepared. And I'm sure I'm sure Tulane's going to throw some stuff at us we haven't seen. Um, they do a great job of game planning, but uh, you know he's seen a lot of stuff. So um, yeah, I think he'll he'll be able to handle it.
0: Pirate report rolls on now to uh, Coach Blake Harrell. Couple cuts we did not get to yesterday in our baseball extravaganza from uh, Coach Harrell, who was uh, excellent or he's done an excellent job this year, and he was excellent, of course, with his comments. Uh, he called it the best performance for the defense uh, against USF.
2: Yeah, I thought he came out and, you know, made some stops in the first half. Uh, got a couple of 3 and outs early. You know, you forced a turnover down there and uh, did some really good things, and kids were play, playing their tails off. In the second half, you know, you, you let them get a few big plays on you, um, and, and then all of a sudden they're down the field, and, and you can't give up big plays in this game. I mean, you get up explosives, it puts you behind. It, it keeps them on pace. They get the momentum. And then a few times we had the third down, you know, get them in third downs, we let the quarterback get out of it. We have Bohannon's sack back there, and, you know, he's a pretty good player and, and does a good job. His feet gets out of it and and, and spins around for the first, first down a couple of times. So if, he's, if we can make a, do a better job on third down, and we try to focus on that a little bit more today in practice, we work with third downs. We work more third and medium, third and long situations, and just make sure we're doing a better job of, Eyes on the quarterback, you know, doing those things of getting it on the ground and getting off the field. So we got to take advantage of that and get off the field and get the ball back to our offense. So there it is,
0: Blake Harrell. Again, tomorrow we'll begin uh, coverage at noon. And then at 1230, it is Pirate Game Day Countdown for Bush Light. Terrence Copper and myself, Doug Martin, will be back on with us tomorrow. But you can hear more from Doug Martin uh, in just a minute here on the Football Friday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. coach doug martin on a football friday gets you to the game weekend edition of the patrick johnson show coach how's it going patrick it's doing going great hope you're doing well yeah i am look anytime i can talk ball with doug martin i'm excited we get a lot of great reaction when you're on coach but pirate al in particular says this is his favorite (laughs) segment of the week so there
5: you go Uh, well i I love it then he he needs to raise the standards but i still appreciate it All right. Are you fishing? It's
0: been a pretty decent weather week. Fish biting? What's going on down there?
5: You know what? I haven't been able to get out this week, actually. I've been doing a little traveling over to Winston-Salem to okay. see the grandkids and both things, and so i got to get back out here soon, though, because it is beautiful down here right now. All right. What goes
0: on this time of year? What's biting this time of year?
5: Uh, you know, we just finished flounder season, but the red drum are still biting. Trout start hitting pretty hard about this time, so I'm kind of looking forward to getting out and seeing what we can do with that. Yeah.
0: God, what a life.
5: Doug Martin, of course, he
0: earned it all those years as a coach and all the hey, aggravation listen, that he's earned
5: it. <laughs> two worst head coaching jobs you could possibly have. <laughs> State but it was all worth it now. It was all worth it. Yeah. Now. Let me tell you something. Had you
0: gone to UMass, Coach, you really would have earned your uh, wings in heaven, I think. so. That would have been the trifecta <laughs> right there. That's right. Well, before we get God, I know we've talked about it because there's a ton of ga- – but, I mean, you know, we've discussed it. Army-Notre Dame, that's about it as an independent now. It's tough to make it like you guys were at New Mexico State. Lord, I don't know how UMass is making it. And and obviously, you see the results of what UConn's dealing with.
5: Yeah, it's really hard. You know, one of the hardest things is scheduling. You know, scheduling games because nobody wants to come and play you at home when you're an independent. And then you don't have bowl tie-ins. We were lucky at New Mexico State. Because we had won the Arizona Bowl in 2017. We broke the attendance record there. They signed us to a deal. So we actually had a bowl tie-in. The other attendants do not have a bowl tie-in. And it just doesn't give you a footprint in recruiting either. You know, you don't really have a geographic area where you're tied into a conference and and it can help you in recruiting. So it, it is a tough way to go. Well, we have a ton of games to talk about this week.
0: Uh, And obviously, we'll start with the Pirates. Doug Martin, one-time ECU offensive coordinator, and the man who says two of the worst jobs as a head coach in uh, college football. But he did well there, is with us uh, here. All right. Uh, Coach, you feel like this is about to enter the key stretch for the Pirates starting this week at Tulane.
5: Yeah, this is when their season starts, Patrick. You look at the games they've got coming. Tulane, Memphis, Central Florida, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. That's a gauntlet. And, you know, you're going to have to score points to win those games, because so all those teams have good offensive teams. They're all scoring points. Some of them play pretty good defense. Uh, and you know, you and I talked about that thirty-point differential at one point earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Scoring thirty points is a key. You look at ECU: the three losses, 39, 49, and forty-eight points. The two losses, twenty and twenty. And you can look across the country. I'm just telling you, when teams hit thirty points, they got a much better chance of winning. So I think it's really important that they keep playing aggressive like they did last week turn Ehlers loose, let him play the game, you know, and, and let your defense play to him, and uh, go see how many points you can score.
0: Apparently, Keaton Mitchell back, so I think that'll be a big thing for the Pirates as far as the ground game goes. We'll see uh, who else may uh, enter the fray uh, in lieu of uh, in lieu of uh, Rajay Harris, uh, who got injured. You know, I, I, I don't know how... Well, you pay attention to these things, because you obviously uh, look at film in a different way, but Jay Sunalder, who's uh, the former Pirate who's been the the analyst on the ESPN Plus games in Greenville, uh, he thinks Harris is the best pass blocker of the running backs. I uh, don't know if you picked up on that or not, but but let's let's go with Jay's premise. That does change things a little bit, having a guy that would be considered your best pass blocking runner ba- running back out.
5: It it does if you're playing a pressure defense. you know, If you're playing a defense that's going to bring a lot of outside linebacker pressure and things like that, then that running back being able to protect is is huge. If you're playing a zone defense, it's not going to pressure very much. It's not as big of a factor. You might want to get your better receiving running back in there in those senses. So it depends on who you're playing and what their strategy is for that game.
0: Let me ask you about uh, Tulane. You know Willie Fritz uh, very well, as is Mike Houston, but uh, you've coached against him.
5: Yeah, Willie was the head coach of Georgia Southern when I was at New Mexico State. We were both in the uh, Sun Belt Conference. Great coach. I mean, great coach. Got a really good staff that's been with him for a long time. He, he's got a system. He knows what he's doing. They're a tough – they will be a tough physical football team. And you, you look at their – defensively, they're playing really well. They're only giving up 3.3 yards of rush and only giving up two touchdowns this year running – that's why I think it's really important that ECU play very aggressive, throw the ball to set up the run. Because if you go down there just trying to run it, you're going to hit a wall. you you got to loosen them up before you're going to be able to do that.
0: Coach Doug Martin joining us uh, here. Uh, you know We've observed Willie Fritz and talked to him kind of uh, occasionally. But from what I understand, as great a football coach as he is, uh, he's even a better
5: guy. Oh yeah, no, no question. Willie is a fantastic. He's, he's country as an egg, <laughs> so he and I got along really well. Uh, but he and the, his wife and Vicki and I, you know, would go to dinners together when we were at the head coaching things in the Sun Belt. And he is a class guy, and they've been doing it for a long time. Done it at several different levels. He coached the FCS yeah, level, and was yeah. You know, so he's come up the hard way. You know, he's taken some really bad jobs and turned them into good places. Yeah,
0: yeah. You got a lot of respect for guys like that, undoubtedly. Uh, Coach, let me ask you a little bit about uh, some other uh, things in the American. Next week's ECU opponent is Memphis. They've got Houston this weekend and what is really, I think, uh, perhaps a do-or-die moment for uh, for the Cougars. And for Memphis, this is obviously a big game at home.
5: Yeah, that'll be a high-scoring game, I would predict. I, You know, I think both those teams can score. They got a lot of speed. Uh, seems to me that Memphis might be playing a little bit better defense right now than Houston. But, you know, Houston is so radical. You know, one day that one day they look really good, the next day they don't. I mean, they've just got a lot of things going on there that they're not Getting much consistency. And I, I think some of that probably goes back to transfers. They've got a lot of transfers there, and it's hard to get that consistency when you're recruiting that much out of the transfer portal. We're going to talk about
0: uh, the portal and uh, a lot of things associated with that that are really new this year in just a minute. Uh, we've got Coach Martin, Doug Martin, on the line with us here. Wanted to ask you about uh, just your thoughts on UCF because the Pirates have them two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, in Greenville, and that is uh, a team that had been offensively challenged. Their defense had been dynamite, but they uh, they got it rolling on offense against SMU the other night at home.
5: Yeah, they run the ball really, really well. The quarterback's really an effective runner. He's not a great passer, but uh, you know they they're playing good overall team football. You know they're finding ways to score. They're getting up over thirty points a game. Um, defensively they're playing really well and that's one of those places they've got every resource known to man down there i mean their facilities are unbelievable they're in a great recruiting area so you know they're going to be a good program for a long time yeah headed
0: to the big 12 and uh, they in cincinnati seem really really well positioned for that move uh obviously houston financially well positioned for that move so uh, the Big 12's not get. look, it's not Texas, it's not Oklahoma, but the Big 12 is getting, I think, three quality programs starting next year with those three. Um, coach, let me ask you, uh, who's impressed you nationally? What's a game or what's a game nationally this week that you're really uh, keyed in on?
5: Well, you know, I, I hate to say it because I'm a Kentucky grad, but <laughs> Tennessee – Yeah, Tennessee is the team that right now when I look at – Across the country, the guy that coach is uh, has done a phenomenal job because that program is in shambles when he walked in there. And he came from UCF, way, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look the way they're playing offense. You know, they got a great quarterback, and man, they are, are fast paced. They're getting up and down the field. They're exciting to watch, and uh, they've been able to recruit well. And they've gotten some defensive guys in there that can at least you know stabilize things for them on that side of the ball. And, uh, I mean, they're they're, they're playing good football. There's going to be some interesting games with them down the road here.
0: They're going into the, uh, always tough environment of, uh, LSU. So that's a big cross division sec deal Saturday. Tigers will host the volunteers for the first time since 2010. So, uh, and LSU's won the last five of the series. So, uh, uh, the Vols are, are kind of due in, uh, in that one, um, UNC at the U this week. Duke is at Georgia Tech, who got a big win last week, upsetting Pitt after firing their coach. Again, more on these coach firings in a second. Uh, if both win, they're going to the game in Durham next week at 5-1. and one. And, look, I, I kind of was, I was a big David Cutcliffe fan. I think he worked a miracle in, in Durham. But all of a sudden, Mike Elko looks like he's got that operation real buttoned up. And, I mean, there's no denying UNC's offensive talent.
5: Yeah, I think, you know, Mike Elko has done a great job and he walked into a good situation because I agree with you. David Cutcliffe is one of the best men in college football. So when Elko walked in there, that was not a fair cover. Yeah, I know they would had a couple of bad years, things like that. But I guarantee you the character of the kids in that program and the way the program was set up was really solid. So he was able to take something and, and to his credit, I mean, he's he's taken it and got them winning. Uh, which is huge. So, yeah, that Duke-Carolina game I think will be really interesting to watch. I still think Carolina's really vulnerable because of their defense still. I, I think they've really got some issues there on that side of the ball. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out.
0: We got Coach Doug Martin on the line with us uh, here Patrick Johnson's show. We talk ball with him uh, every uh, Friday as we go into the uh, week, sometimes uh, Thursday, just depends. Depends on if the fish are biting and what coach's travel schedule is. With the grandkids. <laughs> that's the big thing. It's the grandkids now. All right. Uh, h- huge game in Raleigh Saturday night. Florida State, NC State. Uh, Wolfpack, look, I-, I think Clemson has kind of set themselves up to get back to the ACC championship game. I know we have a lot of football left to be played, but still. I think the Tigers, that was a that was a separation kind of game for them, especially after already knocking off a really good Wake Forest team. And I also think that... Uh, that was a little bit of a statement from uh, the Tigers there in Death Valley. NC State, what are they playing for right now? And and they better have their head on straight with the Knolls coming to Raleigh tomorrow.
5: Yeah, I mean, their backs are against the wall right now. Both those teams, Florida State and NC State. Florida State just came off losing to Wake Forest last week, so they got their first loss. And, you know, NC State, same way. I, I just, you know, NC State intrigues me watching them. You know, the quarterback came in with all the hype, Leary, you know, it's going to do this, going to do that. And it just seems like he's playing with handcuffs on right now. I think they're trying to play too conservative and play into their defense too much and they're not letting him stretch the ball down the field and do the things that you're going to have to do to win games uh, like Florida State when they come in there. They're going to throw the ball down the field. And uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see how they approach the Florida State game offensively because, you know, watching them last week against Clemson, It just looked like they were trying to play, you know, to their defense to see if their defense could win the football game for them. And those days are gone. You just can't do that anymore, especially if you have a quarterback like Leary. Then you need to let him play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coach Doug Martin on the line with us, uh, here, this is kind of interesting coach. Um, we saw another rash of kind of mid season or or early season in season, uh, you know, terminations of, of head coaches. Uh, Wisconsin, Colorado, we've already seen it at Arizona State. We saw it at Nebraska earlier in the year. There's others. So, you know, it's interesting to make that, especially early in the season, uh, to make this decision to move on from, from your head coach. There is now some pushback from that head coaching and, and probably high-level coordinator community, is there not?
5: Yeah, I just think, you know, that's really a, a shame and a bad thing to see when you see his coaches getting fired this early. And obviously, you know, everybody says, well, you're a coach. You think that. But I'm really thinking more along the line of players. You know, when you fire a coach after four games, three games, you know, what about the seniors that are on that team? You just told them the season's over. And these, these guys have been there at your school for however long. And then now, all of a sudden, they know the rest of the year is just a wash because the coaching staff is in disarray the discipline of the players goes out the window. You know, so there's really not much positive about doing that other than the optics of some athletic director wanting to prove that he's got control of the program or something or he's bowing to the money people that want the coach fired or whatever. But there's not a lot of positives that come out of that. And I think, you know, that didn't used to happen because ADs used to all be former coaches, you know, that understood the game and what it was like and then – Obviously, we all know the money in football became huge with TV contracts and all that, and ADs started to become businessmen that were becoming athletic directors. And that's where that part of things started changing. But firing a coach in, the, in that early in the season, there's just no positive about it at all. It's not like you can bring in a new coach right now right. anyway. Right. And, and you're urging a lot of your players to jump in that transfer portal, not play the rest of the season so they don't hit over the four-game limit save themselves, and then they can get in the transfer portal afterwards. So that's a really bad deal. And then i tell you what's coming from the coaching part of things, yeah. Patrick, is and I've heard this from several different people. You know, NIL, transfers, firing coaches early in the season. Well, the coaches are pushing back now, and they want the ability to cut players, which means, you know, if you're not playing well as a player and you're causing a problem on the team, they want the ability now to cut you and get you off the football team now. And you know what? They're right because that's it's becoming pro football now. That, that's all this is all becoming. Uh, so if, if we're going to pay players and if they're going to be able to transfer whenever they want and with no rep, repercussions about that, and if we're going to be fired, you know, after three and four games, then we won't be able to clean this roster out if we've got problem guys around. And it's going to be hard not to make that happen. So, you know, sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for in this game. And I think players are going to get a shock if that comes about. Uh,
0: you know, I think it's just a matter of time too, before uh, you would see some of these NIL companies drop a player too, if they're not performing, uh, you know, obviously I think it, depends on how those deals are written, I suppose.
5: No, you're exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, you, if, if a quarterback is making millions of dollars and all of a sudden he's not playing well, he gets benched, but he's still, is he still going to get that money? Yeah. I mean, those people want to pay for that. And so, yeah, there's all sorts of things there that, I don't think we're very well thought out when they went down this road and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to have to be worked out soon. Hey, Coach, thanks for the time as always. We'll, we'll catch you next week. Patrick, I appreciate
0: it. Thanks. Great stuff from uh, Coach Martin who will join us live tomorrow uh, around one twenty on the Pirate Game Day Countdown for Bushlight, kind of a uh, reuniting of he and Terrence Copper tomorrow. So that'll be a fun moment. And it'll be fun to get some of Coach's thoughts uh, tomorrow going into the game. All right, uh, right now, a 94-3 the game sports flash update ahead of our guy, Coach Willie Bland. Rose and Conley on the grid tonight. We'll talk to Coach Bland about uh, the matchup. And uh, still to come, Brian Mull talking about uh, some things that the NCAA men's basketball coaches are considering. All of that still to come on this Friday edition of the PJ Show.
4: Ben Barham here for your 94 through the game sports update. Big ball game this weekend for East Carolina as the Pirates travel to New Orleans to take on a hot two-lane team. Intriguing quarterback matchup between hometown hero Holton Aylers and Green Wave signal caller Michael Pratt. Pratt is expected to play in that game by the way. Pirate head coach Mike Houston on Aylers abilities to make
3: big plays. Well I think last week in the game I thought his decision making was very good um, and you know we. We put a lot on him. I mean, he's, he's very similar to Pratt in that uh, you know he's seen about everything, and so um, he'll be prepared. And I'm sure, I'm sure, Tulane's going to throw some stuff at us we haven't seen. Um, they do a great job with game planning, but uh, you know he's seen a lot of stuff. So um, yeah, I think he'll he'll be able to handle. it.
4: Hey, there's the AAC Offensive Player of the Week after his six-touchdown performance against USF last weekend. Kickoff at 3.30 for that game. We'll begin live pregame coverage at 12.30 right here on the flagship station ECU Pirates 94 through the game for our Bushlight Pirate Game Day countdown with our very own Patrick Johnson and ECU football legend Terrence Copper. In the meantime, the Pirates are a three-point dog for entertainment purposes only in that game. Stay tuned as we'll bring you live coverage Right here, 3.30 on the game. High school football tonight. It's the Crosstown Throwdown at 7 from Percy Daniels Stadium. J.H. Rose hosts D.H. Conley. Rampant's head coach, Will Bland, on the matchup. We got to play fast. We want to play fast. We want to make sure on offense, especially that we utilize some of our our quick
6: game. and uh, make sure we get some of our guys in space. And then, uh, on defense, uh, we want to be physical with them. They throw a lot of screens and stuff. So we want to make sure that we, they got to work for everything they get and we put some pressure on that quarterback. He is a young quarterback. Uh, he is a senior, but this is his first year at the hick. Um, the man that's calling behind it. So if we can get some pressure
4: on him and eliminate the big plays, then I think we'll come out on top. Hear that game at 7 p.m. right here on 94.3 The Game with our very own Croft Massey and the legendary Ronald Vincent. Rose takes on Newbern next week. The Bears are at Northside Jacksonville tonight. JP2 wins in football last night 55-13 to move 7-0. Edenton Holmes now 5-2 after a 55-16 thrashing. Last night, the Panthers are making final adjustments ahead of their week five matchup against the 49ers. The team held practice yesterday, and Frankie Louvu was a surprise absence as he deals with a shoulder issue. Xavier Woods, LaVisca Chenault, Stanley Thomas Oliver, and Steven Sullivan were also non participants. The 1 3 Panthers play the 2 2 San Francisco Niners on Sunday afternoon in Charlotte. CMC Christian McCaffrey says the Niners are tough on defense.
3: Yeah, they're really good. They fly to the ball well, uh, play well together, obviously have great pass rushers, good linebackers and a great secondary. So uh, it's going to be a challenge, you know, say it every week, though, it's going to be about us executing.
4: Here's the game on our sister station Talk 1037 WTIB beginning at 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon. Carolina Hurricanes sell out their allotment of tickets for the Outdoor Series game against the Washington Capitals set for February. Puck drops on the regular season next week. And Harold Varner III is tied at 5-under at the Live Golf event in Bangkok, Thailand. HV3 is in a five-way tie for third place that includes Brooks Koepka. That's going to do it for your 94. to the Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Byron. More from the P-Man after this quick timeout. Tonight, it is uh, the big matchup, the Crosstown
0: Throwdown. Rose and Conley. Will Bland, coach of the Rampants. You can hear the game right here with Croft uh, Massey and the legendary Ronald Vincent. Maybe a little scooter thrown in for good measure here on uh, 94.3 The Game. Coach Bland, thanks for taking some time with us here. It's always uh, an exciting week. I know volleyball beat uh, Conley, and then there was soccer and the chili cook-off and uh, all kinds of uh, stuff surrounding Rose and Conley. But at the end of the night... Uh, you just want to take home that title belt and uh, have your kids win a game against the rival, right?
6: Uh, correct. We want to try to keep it here. I've uh, been here the last two years, um, so that's a big thing. You want to try to keep all the rivalry stuff at your schools and you don't have to cross over the highway and stuff. So it's a very exciting time, and uh, I think it, it's going to be a great game for everybody tonight. You know what I, I think, uh,
0: and we'll get into your team because you've got a, sp- a spectacular uh, – uh, team and, uh, but, but you and, uh, your staff and the Conley staff, the, we don't want to tell anybody, but they actually get along pretty well. I just, you know. Yeah,
6: we, <laughs> <laughs> and we do. We get along um, great outside of work, um, talking football. It's just a bunch of coaches getting together, you knowing something that they love, trying to um, help the young men. And, you know, I got a female on my squad, JV team, so help the young men and the females. Um, just improving life as overall and trying to get them to look forward to something as they grow older.
0: Rose, Coach Will Bland is with us. They play Conley uh, tonight, 650. You can – uh, Here, coverage beginning out of our show, we'll have uh, kind of some uh, uh, programming that'll bridge the high school gap and the college gap and uh, then get you into coverage of Rose and Conley tonight. Uh, let me uh, ask you a little bit about uh, your quarterback, what a year he's having. Uh, Will Taylor, uh, kind of on the heels of uh, what was a spectacular year. So not you were telling me before we went on, not only is this group dealing with expectations, but I got to think uh, Taylor's dealing with expectations very well because he came in very heralded and rightfully so.
6: Right, and um, he's been doing a great job. You know, he like you said, he had a great year last year. He threw for over 3,000 yards. Um, but I think he really wanted to improve on his interception ratio, which uh, he think he threw 14 last year. And, and the first um, eight games now, he's only threw three in, three picks, and he's already up to 19 touchdowns. So he's doing a great job protecting the ball and then distributing the ball to all his playmakers that he has on the outside. Coach,
0: what kind of uh, attention is he getting from uh, college recruiters, you know? I mean, you could – the sad thing now is you could be a great player and with the way that you have COVID seniors and the portal, a lot of great high school players uh, maybe aren't getting the attention that they once were. So what, what kind of attention is Will getting?
6: He's getting a lot of attention for some of the, um, these local schools and stuff. But um, as far as some of the Div- Division ones, uh, there's a lot of schools that like him. Um, but, you know, he right now has that short man complex. He's real short. So, you know, uh, a lot of schools are looking for that typical six – 263 quarterback but um, as far as arm strength and ability to put the ball where it needs to be there's nobody better out there so i um, just want to make sure that they give him a shot um you got some guys looking at him but uh if some of the bigger schools can give him a shot see what he he can do they'd be very impressed with him
0: yeah absolutely uh and, and you know sometimes those intangibles are are things that the non the non-measurables they mean a lot right. sometimes, and, and, and uh, Will Taylor has that, doesn't he?
6: He does. He, he has the heart, and he has the ability. I mean, like he can go out there every day, work for you. He's going to sit in the classroom, learn, and then he's going to get out there on the field and um, do the best of his um, ability to do what he's asked to and try to get his teammates involved and be a leader and um, get some wins for our program.
0: Havelock Ram uh, in his playing days. East Carolina Pirate in his playing days. Rose, head coach, uh, the great Will Bland uh, with us here, Rose and Conley coming up tonight. Uh, how's it been for you calling plays in kind of your first year of doing it? And I know, I know you've called them before, but you know, this is uh, a lot of uh, a lot of things going on as the head coach of Rose Varsity. So, how have you found play calling this year to go along with your other duties?
6: I think it, 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 it's been pretty good. Actually, I have a real good. Um, uh quarterback coach Zach Saddle and he actually calls um the plays yeah. during the game. Uh I just put my Two cents in when I need to, but, uh, but, um, we, we talk the game plan. We, I'm, I tell him what I like. We speak on it and then, uh, we go through our practice and we run the plays. And if I need something to change during the game, I'll make sure he knows, but he's does a great job as far as up there, uh, running the offense, doing what I want done as, as the head coach. So I really, I've been blessed with him being able to take on that role. But as far as, uh, if I need something to be called at that moment, I'm going to call it. But um, he's done a great job now. Uh, he's going to be a great um, asset, or how long he stays with me. But if he goes anywhere else, he's going to be a great addition to that staff wherever he goes. I don't mean to, uh,
0: uh, you know, uh, uh, catch you off guard here or, or embarrass you in any way, but uh, I should have told you this off the air, but we'll tell you on the air because we're all uh, friends here. <laughs> but uh, Sonny, Jay Alder, and I uh, on the TV uh, broadcast had, uh, a Jordan High game for uh, Sinclair TV uh, a couple weeks ago. Justin Allred, oh. who called the uh, plays <laughs> for Rose for all those years, uh, was was just. We were talking to him about Coach Woe and you know everybody else from uh, those Rose days, and he really uh, said you're you did a lot for him. So
6: I I, I wanted to at least pass that on to you. Oh, appreciate. it. I know mean, we we talk all the time. He's a great friend of mine. Um, you know, we talked to X and O, and I couldn't uh, be happier that he got that head coach job out there. So um, we're gonna be friends throughout. I mean, we went the whole year on JV together. As, um, the, I was the head coach. He was offensive coordinator there, and then you know he became a varsity guy, and I was still there. So, but um, he's doing a great job where he at right now, and, and I, I With nothing but the best. And, you know, we talk to him whenever we can. So, um, he's a great guy now. I love him to death.
0: Uh, you know, I, I know the price of gas is, uh, crazy, but maybe we could get a Rose Jordan, uh, series coming up. Who knows?
6: Well, so. Yeah, that, that would be, that would be something special. <laughs> yeah, absolutely
0: would be. Um, be, be two great coaches there. Uh, let me ask you about your running attack. You had to replace Michael Allen. It looks like you're not so much doing it by committee, but you're doing it by, uh, You know, a handful of guys, including your quarterback, who have uh, been able to, to have some big games for you, and it's been pretty consistent.
6: Yeah, um, and, and the guys that we use, you know, we got a transfer from um, JP Two and Justin Big, um, who's a the scat back kind of kid that's very fast. Um, he's been doing pretty good for us, and you got Janari McC- um, Carmichael, who's a bigger back that is able to run between the tackles, and then throwing Brandon Center, who's just got a combination of both of them guys in them, and then all uh, the do it all safety that we have in Jameer Rose. We got four guys that we think that can totally take total rock and then help us win a lot of games
0: and you got some receivers they're all kind of putting up uh you know about the similar numbers which makes you a dangerous team uh uh you know uh, kd gettis is is the guy that is sort of leading that group but you have some other receivers that are, are really productive as well
6: yeah, we do. And, and I'll start with KD. We can get KD going and get the team shot of double him. Then we, we open up Jackson Latham, who's a, one of our bigger kids that um, got great hands and knows the offense. And then um, Landon Richards, is able to come over the middle. And then Malachi Keys have been a, 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 fantastic, a fantastic addition to our group because he's six four and able to get some of them jump balls that we throw up uh, to our wide receivers. So uh, it's been a blessing to have them guys take on the role and um, try to take us back to where we um, ended last year and try be able to try to get and compete for a state title
0: yeah absolutely uh with conley they are coming off a tough loss against uh havelock monday it's a short week for conley isaiah crumpler uh kind of you know the way it's been all season with uh with him and he, he's he got the uh the great genes but with isaiah crumpler uh he, he's a very impressive player isn't he
6: he is, and he, he is a typical Division One football player, a um, great kid. I met him, met his dad, met his family. Um, he's a well-spoken kid, um, well-mannered. One of the kids that you wish you had on your program um, that could help out. So, you know, the game to make sure we know where he is all the time because you know they want to get him the ball. Uh, they want to get Meacham the ball also. So, you know, got to make sure we put guys where they need to be, our best athletes on their best athlete, and then hopefully we get some breaks in there, some turnovers, um, big plays that would allow us to um, come away with a victory.
0: Will Bland uh, with us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. I want to ask you about uh, some of the other uh, things about Conley that have impressed you uh, on film, and, and I presume seen him maybe in person uh, last uh, Monday.
6: Um, they're very, they're very well coached. And, you know, Nate does a great job of coaching them kids up. Um, they can come out there. They don't give everything they got for Nate. Um, they believe in his system. They believe in him. So they can go out there and they're going to play. Um, they got some good, um, talented kids. And then they got kids that just, know where to be at on the field at all times so you know we, we really got to make sure that we're on our p's and q's our coaches and as players as make sure that we don't let off um when we um doing something make sure that a hey, um we we know what they're doing in practice we saw it on tape so make sure that what we told you to do in practice during the game so, so it can translate over but um he does a great job on that aspect of he got to Again, they got the quarterback. Uh, you know, he's breaking in a new quarterback, but Nate's a quarterback guy. So, quarterback's been doing pretty good this year. Um, They got a running back that's pretty big. But, you know, I think they want to utilize their quick game a little bit more. And then on defense, they just want to be physical and um try to uh, send some blitzes at you at times to get you off keys. But um I think if we go out there and do what we've been taught this whole week and go out there and fly around, then we should be all right. Coach, Will
0: Bland uh, with us here. The uh, matchup between Rose and Conley, the Crosstown throwdown coming up uh, tonight, and you can hear it right here on 94.3 The Game. The uh, Conley Vikings tonight, and then uh, you finish with Newburn and Havelock, uh, A, a off-week sandwiched in between, but obviously uh, the finish to the season for the Ramp, uh is is full of really quality teams and, uh, and emotional rivalries as well, so... Uh, it be interesting to see how your group responds, but I'm sure you feel pretty good about that with what they've done through the first uh, seven games of the schedule.
6: Oh, yeah, I've been very impressed with their. I've been very impressed with their focus and uh, their ability to take the coaches and the ability to come out there every day and um, practice um, and then get ready. Um, There's a group of kids that majority came back from the, the state championship Um. Yeah, state championship um last year, so I think we're going I think they're hungry. I think they're willing to get back to where they were so they know they got this conference is very tough, and our last two games is probably the toughest of any in the state. So um we just got to stay uh, one game at a time, play this game tonight, and then we'll get ready for the next one um after this um game.
0: Coach, what would you say the keys are for your team tonight?
6: Um, we got to play fast. We want to play fast. We want to make sure on offense, especially that we utilize some of our, our, quick game and, uh, make sure we get some of our guys in space. And then, uh, on defense, uh, we want to be physical with them. They throw a lot of screens stuff. So we want to make sure that we, they got to work for everything they get and we put some pressure on that quarterback. He is a young quarterback. Uh, he is a senior, but this is his first year at the Hick. Um, the man that's calling behind it. So if we can get some pressure on him and eliminate the big plays, then I think we'll come out on top.
0: Rampits uh, have taken the last two in the series against Conley. Uh, Conley had a good little winning streak before that, but uh, Rose has uh, taken the uh, title belt the last couple of years in this matchup. Should be a lot of fun tonight. Hey, Coach, it's always great to catch up with you, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again uh, hopefully several times over the next uh, several weeks. Uh, But congratulations on a great start, and best of luck tonight.
6: I uh, appreciate it. Thank you, Patrick. Always a pleasure talking to you,
0: buddy. Same here. Will Blam there. They always want to try to noodle around with the good thing. We're talking March Madness. Brian Mall, college Hoop scribe. Next. remember back in the summer when we had our week down at uh, the working man's beach surf city and uh, we yeah, it was a working vacation for uh, Pete Johnson in early August and uh, one of the guests we had in our uh, Casa de Johnson beach studios was the great Brian Mull we've talked to Brian since then but I bring this up because Brian and I went to dinner after the show and we had a, a fantastic conversation that did center around college basketball, and, and some of it seems to be coming to fruition now, in some respect. So we welcome in Brian Mull to the Patrick Johnson uh, Show uh, yet again. Uh,
7: Brian, how are you? I'm doing well, Patrick. Always uh, great to catch up with you.
0: I'm just—I might pepper you with a few other little uh, tidbits here and there, stuff I know you probably, you know, have uh, in passing kept up with. But uh, what got my attention was a tweet uh, about. Well, a little more than a day ago, Jeff Goodman, you know, your mileage may vary on that one. But uh, Jeff Goodman, uh, I guess now with Stadium is Stadium. Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah, Jeff yeah. Goodman with Stadium, uh, putting out there that the D1, count, eight, one count D1 council member uh, of the idea of the NCA tourney expansion, quote, there are all sorts of issues in college basketball, no shortage of things that need to be changed. The NCAA is one thing that doesn't need fixing. I'm guessing he's talking about the NCAA tournament. So, I mean, that that seems to be the idea. So, there's talk of expanding the tournament somewhere between a round of 88 and 90 teams. Uh, Goodman's reported this. Others have. Now, this summer, I recall you telling me there was a move to maybe, uh, I don't know if contract's the right word, but uh, maybe shift how the tournament's selected might be the way to put it. Does, are these two things sort of tied together or, or not? And I think Matt Norlander, by the way, uh, was the first to, to report this
7: for CBS. Well, you know, we're at a – call it what you will. We're at a crisis point, I think, in uh, in, in Division I college basketball uh, because of the just the, the vast number of teams who are now competing – At that level, I think we'll be up well over three hundred and sixty this year. Um, you know, I'm not hip on like India cricket, but I have to believe this is the (laughs) largest sports league in the world. Like what other league has so many teams competing for one championship? And uh obviously they're not all on the same level by any stretch of the imagination and uh for most, the majority of those teams, just winning their conference tournament and qualifying for the tournament is the NCAA tournament is a successful season. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, I know that there is some concern from the lower level conference commissioners, uh, whether it's, you know, say the Atlantic Sun or the Big South or, or, or teams of that you know, whose representatives are seated on the 14, 15, 16 line, maybe the play in games or the first four games as they're called now that are concerned about uh, losing their bid altogether uh, as we move forward to a power five dominated world. And well, as I look I at think this, that's more likely than expansion.
0: Okay. Cause as I look at this, you know, they're saying there's th- this is not likely according to some, I mean, this is not going to be there, – there's there's a lot of opposition to this. I have plenty of opposition to this is how it's being reported. So does that – is that what leads us – okay, you guys don't want to do that. Here's what we're going to do. Is that where we're headed? I guess it's kind of what you alluded to there at the end of your comment.
7: I feel like it is, unfortunately. I mean, look, of all the sporting events – that we have in the United States on the 365-day calendar. The best one is the NCAA basketball tournament. It it works on so many levels because, in reality, the tournament starts the week of the mid-major conference tournaments because you have qualifying, and that brings a level of excitement for those teams who, who, you know, practice just like everyone else and played and competed all year to win a championship just to be able to enjoy that experience. And then certainly you have the favorites, the number one seeds, and and then you get a great story like St. Peter's last year. And all of that is what forms the flavor and the character and the pageantry of this event, which is extremely popular, not only among basketball fans, but sports fans. You know, folks who don't pay attention to college basketball all year, they pay attention to that tournament because it has – the democracy of everybody has an opportunity to earn their way in and everyone has a chance to say, Hey, we can, our budget might be one twentieth of blue blood, <clears throat> John Califari, and we can knock you off in a 40 minute basketball game. Yeah. And, uh, to lose that would just, uh, just absolutely destroy the fiber of the event. Look, we know, I mean, just all you have to do is do a little research and look at the last 20, 25 years. We know who's going to win the tournament. (laughs) One of the top 10 preseason teams, most likely, uh, is going to be the team that cuts the nets in April. But it's how we get there. It's the journey, if you will, that makes it such an intriguing event. And, you know, those teams get weeded out as they get further along and have to play Teams with more talent, but to, to disrupt that in any form or fashion and, and get I mean, 68 seems, you know, that's a fine number. Uh, but, but trying to get to this 25% of 90, I mean, you're just adding another element. You're changing the entire calendar. You're making the season even longer, which, let's be honest, it starts on November 7th with 120-plus games. The season's long enough. Yeah, And uh, we, 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 you know, I, I would just uh, – it, it, I mean, the, yeah. it, Division One has gotten too big. I mean, I think you can make that argument better.
0: Yeah. Uh, Brian Mull uh, with us here at BG Mull on Twitter uh, writes about college basketball, writes about golf, tweets about it too if you want to go there and, uh, and check that out. One of the other things that uh, Goodman uh, and Stadium are reporting uh, that the, uh, as they call it, runoff waivers are going to be a thing of the past. In other words, the D1 Council maybe looking at raising the bar on the second transfer waiver, uh, which I, I I don't mind. I, I just, you know, I'm all for the player and I'm all for being able to get out of a situation for whatever the reason. Uh, coach leaves, takes another job, coach gets fired. Just didn't work. Not not something who happened. I mean, it just, there's a million things. Um, but if we're doing that, year after year after year for some of these kids, I, I think that is a little excessive. What say you on that?
7: No, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I'm, I'm on the player's side in these arguments uh, more times than not. Certainly um, pleased with the NIL, uh, I think. There's a big pie, and, and the players certainly have uh, earned a, a share of it because without the players, the coaches aren't very valuable. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of preseason research have been for the last month or so and, and the number of players who are at their fourth, you know, certainly the COVID year and the extra eligibility and the super seniors has played into this, uh, but so many players are on their fourth school Yeah, and um, I don't think that's what was intended by any of this, but uh, yeah, I like one time you can transfer without having to sit out. I think that's great. Coaches don't have to sit out when they change jobs, but, um, that's enough, uh, barring just a very, very extreme circumstance.
0: Yeah, I got you. Um, I want to just bring up a couple of, uh, quick things. Cause you know, some of the players involved, uh, good to see that, uh, ECU men's golf got a uh, win this week at their event. They hosted, uh, staved off uh, a couple of uh, schools, won by a stroke, but uh, Kevin Williams and our guy, Mike Cato. Uh, but uh, coach, we're going to talk to Kevin next week. I mean, just a, a gem of a guy. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm real happy to see them get away. I think it was their first win since 19. So that's really cool.
7: Yeah. Two of the best right there. Uh, Kevin Williams and Mike Cato friends of mine. Uh, I will disclaim that I've known them both for a long time and uh, played golf with them and, uh, just enjoyed and I think it's cool and what a great uh, pair there to be uh, leading the ECU golf program, which uh, I feel like has untapped potential, certainly with some of the facilities there and uh, resources and the, the, the amount of talent that the state of North Carolina consistently produces in men's golf. I feel like uh, there's there's bright a bright future for ECU men's golf with, with uh, Williams and Cato in charge.
0: Hey, Brian, good stuff. Just wanted to get your take on this. Uh, we'll get into a little more uh, basketball chatter as we get closer. But uh, good to catch up with you. Appreciate the time.
7: Always a pleasure. Everybody have a good weekend.
0: And that goes for me, too, folks out there listening. Appreciate Brian Mull. Appreciate Doug Martin. Appreciate Will Bland. Good luck to the Rampants tonight. You can hear the game 7 o'clock as they take on D.H. Conley. Uh, ben Byron producing today. Excellent effort, as always. When we... Uh, Leave you uh, here. We'll rejoin you for this show on Monday at 5 o'clock, Patrick Johnson Show, as we'll have our overreaction uh, Monday afternoon quarterback uh, talking NFL, talking college, and uh, hopefully talking a Pirate win against Tulane. Tomorrow, uh, we will be on the air at noon right here on 94.3, the game with our pregame coverage. And then at 12.30, it's Pirate Game Day Countdown for Bush Light, Terrence Copper, and myself bringing you the uh, latest in that one. Uh, pre-game excitement for ECU and Tulane and then uh, network coverage begins at 2.30, game kicks at 3.30 and we'll have you covered all the way till the end with the post-game show uh, here and all across the uh, network stay tuned, Philip. the rep Pilkington is next with the Bridge Show we'll see you tomorrow see you Monday morning on Talk of the Town and see you back here Monday afternoon on the Patrick
5: Johnson Show